Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. Uh, excited to be back chatting with you. It's been a while since we've posted a full-on uh, podcast. Obviously, lots has happened since we last talked to you. Jets has been hired as head coach of the Jets. The trade rumors have been swirling, whether it be on Shifley, Wheeler, and now uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Seems like we're in a bit of a mess, but uh, we're going to leave all that uh, aside for now and run it back to the uh, NHL entry draft. That Run it back. The 8th. Yeah, run it back. That's kind of the theme theme of the year, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, definitely gonna gonna be excited to chat with you guys about the uh, the the picks the Jets made. Obviously, uh, pretty excited about some of the guys they got in the first round, which we can get into in just a bit. Um, it's Justin here with you, joined by uh, Brian and uh, Dylan, kind of our prospects guy here at the uh, at the unofficially official prospects man very amateur happy to happy to have you back uh on the podcast dylan and of course as always brian yeah um yeah so i right into it um uh what did you guys uh think about the draft as a whole um kind of obviously the jets had two first round picks first time in a while and they certainly got a, a wide range of players what was your guys uh what was your guys takes on the on the draft all right, so, you know, it is nice to take a, a little a brief break from the pit of despair that has been the Winnipeg Jets offseason. And uh, we're going to have a little bit of a positive talk, I guess. Uh, honestly, it was, a, it was a pretty great draft overall. Could it have been better because of some of the guys that were available when they picked? Yeah, but you could say that about pretty much everyone's draft except for maybe Carolina. Um, and then, yeah, obviously they had that super high upside pick that everyone wants to talk about. Um Fabian Wagner, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that guy's yeah. going to be a stud. <laughs> yeah, like Don't most... sleep on Dominic DiVincendis, though. <laughs> I most, didn't uh... even know that's how you pronounce his name. I honestly don't know how to pronounce his name. I just took a stab at it. I was hoping. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, most, most drafts, uh, people had the Jets as a, a grade from a B to an A. So relatively good. I personally would say it's more of a, a B to B plus good um i wouldn't say it was great but but good good typical chevy draft mm-hmm. uh it was funny there was obviously some some interesting things that happened um uh, they reached a little bit at 14 which we'll talk talk about and then they took the faller at 30 and potentially took the best and worst skater in the entire draft in the same uh same round so that's interesting <laughs> yeah yeah no i i definitely think it uh it was a it was a pretty nice draft obviously i'm I'm hyped as just as much as anybody that, that Lambert pick 30. And, uh, you know, I mean, it kind of seems like the theme of the draft, at least after McGrory, they kind of took some of the guys that uh, entering the year and on their D minus one seasons were like, uh, you know, projected to be a lot higher and they split after having some uh, weaker draft years. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was pretty happy. I don't really have too much issue with the Jets. Drafting, I feel like they've drafted pretty well. Obviously, if you're going to have an issue, it's it's more so with the development side um, of that draft and development uh, piece. But I, I thought it was a good draft. What did you think about it, Brian? I mean, so, like, I didn't know, I guess, very much about the guys, I guess, beyond Salomonson. But um, mm-hmm. McGrory, like, my initial take on it was, like... 
I don't really like this. That's a reach. Um, like, the more you dive into his stats and stuff, it's not... It doesn't seem bad at all. Like, he had pretty solid, like, on-ice, off-ice uh, goals for percentage splits um, on the U.S. development program. And so that's really good. Um, he has, obviously, good hands, pretty good-looking hockey IQ, but like Dylan alluded to earlier, he can't skate. So if you can get that skating up to a level that's even pretty okay, he's probably going to be a pretty effective player for you down the road. Um, if not, then, well, it's it's tough to be an effective player when you just can't skate, right? Um, so, I mean, that, that pick does have some upside, though, for sure. Um, as far as the Lambert pick, I love the pick, um, to get a guy like that at 30th overall, who could be one of the best players in the draft. That's obviously really exciting. Um, there is some bust potential there, but how I view it is there's bust potential with everybody at 30th overall. So Mm -hmm. why not take the guy with a lot of upside and... It's just going to be a lot of fun watching him for the next few years. Um, as far as like the intricacies on whether he's going to pan out or not, I, I really don't know. I can't speak to that too much. Um, but yeah, and then I guess similar for uh, Selimanson, but just I guess on a lesser kind of level. Um, I think he was projected as a top 15 pick by most coming into last year and then kind of slipped as the year went on. Um, Was touted as more of an offensive guy um, and didn't really show that offense as much last year. Um, But obviously a guy with lots of skill. And yeah, I, I definitely don't mind taking those guys in the second round and beyond. So um, I'm quite happy with that. And, yeah, but beyond that, honestly, I really don't know a whole heck of a lot about the guys. Like, Garrett Brown, I've seen his uh, his microstat profile, and it, it looks pretty solid. But other than that, I can't really say I've ever uh, watched the player. So <laughs> I, I, really can't, I really can't speak to that. But, uh, yeah, maybe Dylan could elaborate on some of those guys a little bit. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, that's that's why we got the expert here and uh, <laughs> the amateur. Yeah, always. Uh, I'll take the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So I guess um, I guess we can kind of dive into individual players now and and kind of just get a kind of more zoomed in look at, at each pick. So uh, obviously, first or fourteenth uh, overall, the first pick that the Jets had in the draft was uh, Rucker McGrory, uh, the development program. He's committed to. The University of Michigan, um, which we have heard of a pretty good player that followed that exact same path, although could that be? probably not the same uh, skill set. But <laughs> um, yeah, um, he had uh, 69 at the USDP nice. in 54 games. Yeah, very nice. Was it and then 33 many? and 25 in the USHL. I think the yeah. I think the fifty four combines the USHL and the USDP games. Oh, does it? 
I think so. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm just looking at elite prospects right now. <laughs> yeah, I I'm pretty sure they okay. uh, they combine the two on the on one of them. All right, yeah. good to know. So yeah, he had a nice 69 point season. Yeah. Well, but, and, but uh, some of the games though. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off. It's mm -hmm. some of the games though they play NCAA competition too, which is obviously higher than the USHL. So yeah, whether it's it's combined or not, I mean it's a pretty good indication because you're playing some pretty good teams there, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, also at the yeah, captain of the U.S. team and put up eight goals and one assist in uh, six games. So as far as the counting stats, that looks like a pretty solid pick at 14. Obviously, uh, you know, there was some fallers there and, and we can talk about that right away. But I guess, Dylan, you want to just give your general thoughts on the on the McGrody pick as a whole? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so honestly, at first I wasn't crazy about the pick. I was watching with my buddy and I was like all pumped up because they were going to get Kemal or Lakaramaki. And then, uh, you know, obviously that didn't happen. But um, McGrady, you know, diving into him, it looks like he's obviously got a lot of character and GMs love that kind of thing. And he seems like a great kid, got a lot of energy. Some of the videos on Twitter and stuff were pretty, pretty encouraging to see. Which, you know, with uh, the state of the Jets, maybe that's what they need, a guy like that. Um, but yeah, so Kemmel and LeCaramacchi are both two guys that were projected top 10 picks that were both still available. So it's unfortunate to pass on them. And then obviously uh, Frank Nazar, who I really wanted, went one pick ahead of them. And Yeah, that was such a bummer. There, yeah, if the Hawks aren't there, who knows? Like, supposedly, from what I've read, that he probably would have been the next guy on the Jets list, so... Yeah, you, you who never knows? know, right? Yeah, I mean, it was funny. So someone pointed out the look on Chevy's face after the Naser pick, and <laughs> as like he's like, "Yeah, the Chevy totally wanted Naser there." Look at his yeah. face. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I don't know. That would have been a lot of fun. But yeah, um, my initial reaction too is like, "Oh, I really wanted Lakaramaki," so that was that was me as well. But like. I guess I can't be too mad at the McGrady pick. It seemed like more. It seemed like quite a bit of a reach at the time, but like looking at it, it's like if you had picked Still. him at like twenty, you'd be super happy, right? So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I've definitely uh, yeah like, definitely warmed know, up just, to the pick a bit. I don't know. I just look at it as like for me, like my amateur thirty-two player ranking. I had him at twenty-six. Bob oh, had yeah. him at twenty-seven, and Illy Prospects had him at forty. So like, mm. it was a definitely a reach. Like, yeah. he's a good player. He's a really smart player. He's got you know good physical tools. But everything I've read is just like the skating is atrocious. But I don't know. You look at guys like Mark Stone as a maybe yeah. like a very <laughs> uh, out of left field kind of tough comparison to make for the kid but <laughs> yeah i don't know the, the, like if, yeah sorry yeah no i was just gonna say the thing with a guy like that is it's a big question if the skating's ever going to improve enough to be an effective player at the nhl level but if it does then you probably got a real good player right so it's that yeah. right it kind of seems like he has all the other tools right he's uh you know a good physically smart player he's can shoot pass so just got to get the feet. Yeah, yeah. What's today that? I watched I watched a, a short ten minute clip of him, um, just his shifts earlier, and just one one play on the forecheck where 
it looked like he was skating hard, but he just wasn't moving very quickly. So it'll be definitely something to improve. Um, and I think he will. I mean, supposedly he's working with, with Barb Underhill, who's a pretty legendary skating coach. So, I mean, he's definitely committed to it, right? So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like a good kid that's going to work really hard. So, I don't know. It's, it doesn't seem like, like, looking back on it, it doesn't seem like as bad of a pick initially as I thought. But, you know, maybe we can get into it. But I thought maybe if you really, really want him, maybe you can trade down a couple picks. But Right. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of my thoughts. Like, if you weren't going to take those uh, highest higher skill guys like Kamel and, and, and like Karamaki, like, you know, you, you maybe, you maybe trade down and, and uh, recoup another, another draft pick and get a guy, even if McGrory doesn't fall to you in the late teens or early twenties, wherever you trade down to, you can get a player similar to his upside. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely, as I said, I kind of warmed up to it. Like I was kind of, a little bit like, yeah, well, you know, maybe they maybe they should have, you know, traded down or, or, or taken somebody else. But like where maybe, you know, you lack in the speed and, and, and the skill uh, with McGrory, you kind of make up for it with who they take at 30. And I think that that also kind of helps me, um, you know, like the pick a little bit more. Like if I'll be honest, if they got Lambert at 14 and McGrory at 30, I would have like if you switch them around, I would have been totally OK with it, too. Right. So I yeah, think that definitely I, helps. I'd have been a little bit, uh, I guess, skeptical of the uh, of the Lambert pick at fourteen, but still, I I would have liked the upside and been like, "Wow, that's a swing for the fences." Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just want to mention a couple more things on McGrady. So for sure, um, like he. Uh, he didn't play an insignificant amount of time on like I was trying to look and see what line mates he played with. And so I was going on the national team program, uh, Twitter and at least the last few games of the season. Anyways, he was on the third line. So like he was putting up these numbers playing on the third line, at least for part of the season, 2023 and Charlie Strammel and, uh, Devin Kaplan, who I think went like fourth round or something. So like, I don't know. It, it's just interesting. Let me pull up his uh, pick 224 page. See if there's uh, an estimated time on ice there. Um, like, he probably got a lot of power play time. Like, he yeah. scored a lot of goals. But I, I was just trying to see, like, who his most common line mates are. Because I, I knew, like, their first line pretty well. But mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly who he played with most of the time. Uh, he had an even strength... Goals for percentage of 75%. 39 goals for 13 goals against with him on the ice. That was, sorry, that was his 25 USHL games. So, um... Like, his plus-minus was insane. Like, if that's something that, like, you know, you really like, you're just still a plus-minus guy, like, he easily had the best plus-minus of any forward on the team, so... Yeah, I'm not a. I'm definitely not a plus minus. Steal of the draft. <laughs> it might. It might have some more utility at a lower level, but I'm not. I'm not like putting everything yeah. on his plus oh, minus. Oh, definitely not. No. Different difference between that and the even strength uh, goals for percentage, though. There's, there's no, uh, there's no, I guess shorthanded goals baked into that and empty net goals so it's a little bit better it still has its obvious limitations but um 
I digress. Uh, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. Um, pick 224 estimates him. It, they have an estimated time on ice per game of almost 17 minutes for him. Yeah, I would assume I would assume they probably rotate those guys around yeah. throughout the year. Like yeah. they, they they do have a, a bunch of high end yeah. skill on that development. Um, I'm sure that they kind of share the touches, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I I think he was a uh, like um, I don't know. I guess we we touched on his skating. Um, is there anything in particular that you think he does like really well? Like, what do you think is his best uh, tool or asset? Uh, hockey sense. That's what I, sense. I read everywhere. They say he's really mm-hmm. smart. So, I mean, they drafted Cole Perfetti because he was really smart. So, I mean, maybe they <laughs> try to do the same thing there. Perfetti's not really a fantastic skater either. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in the clip I watched of him today, I really liked his positioning on a lot of plays. He was in position to disrupt breakouts from the opposition. Um, he was in position to uh, to get loose pucks, um, and yeah, um, he was good at putting teammates uh, in positions to make good plays. A little bit like you might think of a Paul Stastny, right? Yeah, um, definitely, but definitely hockey senses, and but slower. <laughs> and Paul Stastny's not fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no well no i definitely i i, I know uh cam robinson at uh at ep um he talks about how high he is on on uh you know hockey sense and and how it's one of the he thinks i think he said it was the most important tool that he looks for in, in evaluating uh these prospects so it definitely is a uh, reassuring to hear uh you know he's got that uh got that hockey sense mcgrady um like i don't know i feel like realistic uh projection for him in the nhl like obviously i think i don't know if there's like first line like star upside there i i I don't really see it i think if his comes around i think he could be an effective middle six um you know uh up and down kind of uh option there i think he's a i think he could like he's good four checker good net front on the power play right like what do you get what do you guys think is a is a realistic projection for him I think he can do more than net front on the power play, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like it's tough to say. It all depends on, like a lot of it depends on his skating and how that improves. Right. Absolutely, yeah. So, like his upside could be pretty damn solid, but I don't want to go out in here, go out here and say, you know, he's gonna turn into a great player because, like, I don't think he will. Mm-hmm. But upside, I don't know, maybe Paul Stastny? Winger right. version of Paul Stastny? He plays, maybe he plays a center bit, too, so... Oh yeah, maybe a bit more physical than Stastny? But... Yeah. Yeah, I... It's tough for me to say, though. I, I don't do well with uh, mm-hmm. player comparisons in the NHL. Yeah, well, player comparisons in general are... Like every player pretty much plays their own way, right? So Yeah. Yeah, I see him sure. I see him kind of as a middle middle six guy, like with his personality and stuff, like maybe feature like captain, assistant captain material. Good in the dressing room, you know. 
super important. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, like kind of a play connector, a guy that's not probably not going to dominate himself. Like you put him with two bums, he's not going to carry them. But a guy where mm-hmm. you like you put him with two really skilled players, and he can be kind of a really really good complementary piece. Yeah, right. And then obviously, I guess if that if that skating doesn't come around, might be might be more of a of a bottom six guy or a, just a really good AHLer, right? Yeah, I think though, I think he's probably whether rightly or wrongly, I think he probably makes the NHL no matter what and plays mm-hmm. a ton of games. Like just because he seems like a guy, right? That's got got a lot of personality like in a good way not in a nhl gms and coaches are going to hate him way but like i feel like he's a guy that will definitely play his 200 games right Mm -hmm. yeah so um i don't know did you guys have anything else to add on go move on to to lambert i think i'm good to move on uh for sure yeah i guess one more thing on mcgrody is uh before we move on, I gotta ask you guys, uh, 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 Chad Lucius or uh, Chaz Lucius or uh, Rucker McGrory, who has the better name for the last first round pick of the Jets? Chaz Lucius. Chaz Lucius, come on, that name is that name's unbelievable. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not a contest. <laughs> I was hoping, I was hoping we could maybe get Jaeger Furcus too. That guy has a sick name and a sick oh. stash. But uh, I digress. We go on. Uh, we Brad we Lambert, had, legit. We could have had the the McGrory Lucius Fergus line. <laughs> I mean, Lucius doesn't I, really play center anymore, but true. <laughs> you got to. That's right. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, I guess we'll go on to to Lambert. Um, Jets get him at thirty. Which, if you told me that at the start of the year, I would have thought, "What the hell." Um. Yeah, he uh, played, let's see here, um, in the league of this year, 24 games with JYP. I believe that was in the first half where he put up six points. And then with the Pelicans in the second half after a trade, he put up four points in 25 games. So the counting stats weren't there. I mean, it's counting stats from his D-1 year uh, with a very impressive like 15 points in 46 games. So you can kind of see maybe as to why he fell. Um, but, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot to like with in terms of upside with this pick. Um, yeah, what do you guys think of the Lambert pick? I guess we'll go to Dylan first. What do you, what do you think? I mean, it's a steal at 30. Like, I mean, he was 16th on my list. And, and looking back on it now, I think maybe I had him too low because it was more closer to the consensus. Like, I mean, I, I love betting on upside, and he's got a lot of upside. He's 16th on Bob's list and 14th on Elite Prospects. So you get a guy that's double that. I mean, where you actually got him, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's there's more stuff to talk about, but, like, you get a guy that at the high end could be, like, sounds so stupid to say, but, like, at the high end, he could literally be a franchise player, like, the best player on your team. Like, that's how good he is. That's how much talent he has. Like, mm-hmm. literally a McDavid-level skater. You watch, like, literally, like, two clips, and you're like, hmm, that looks familiar. I've seen that before. <laughs> like, I mean, there's obviously tons of, of concerns with him, but, I, like, at 30, two first-round picks, you probably didn't even think you were going to get 30th. Thank you, Andrew Kopp. <laughs> you, you get a chance to swing on a guy with, 
easily the most talented player in the draft. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I guess the big question with him would be the hockey IQ, right? So, uh, For sure, yeah. That's what it sounds like. I haven't gotten a chance to watch him a ton, um, but, like, I watched, like, I think, like, I watched a clip of, like, all his shifts in a game, and there were a couple times where he was rushing up the ice, and I think he was really dead set on trying to create something for a teammate in a certain spot, and the teammates in, in that, the teammate in the instance I watched didn't see didn't really i think see what lambert was trying to create for him necessarily so like i don't know if that's just me not watching properly or if that's just lambert really focusing too much on one play and having tunnel vision i don't know but yeah maybe maybe dylan can elaborate a little better on the uh on the hockey sense i guess concerns I mean, there are definitely concerns. Like, yes, his teammates weren't great, and JYP and Lati were two of the lowest-scoring teams in the league, which doesn't help. But, yeah. Like, there are definitely times where, like, I was watching tons of videos on him, and he has an easy passing lane to the middle, and instead of passing, he'll turn around because he wants the perfect pass. So he'll, he's got so much skill, and even in that league against men, he can still kind of do whatever he wants with the puck. Mm-hmm. As long as he's not along the boards, which apparently he's not not too great along the boards. But anyways, like, there's a ton of plays that he misses, but you, you just have to wonder, like, he had five points in two games of the World Juniors. It wasn't a great, again, great competition before it was canceled. And, like, he looked like probably one of the most, like, one of the most dominant players there for two games. Mm-hmm. Is it a teammate thing? Is it a hockey sense thing? Is Is his hockey sense even something you can work on? Like, I almost look at it as a little bit, like, a little bit of both, maybe. So, I don't know. It, it, do you guys think hockey sense is something that you can work on if it's truly something that's an issue? I've always thought hockey sense was always, I guess, a really translatable skill if you have it. And if, like, I watched quite a bit of Tim Stutzla before he was, draft, before he was drafted in, uh, in the German League. And it seemed like all the time he would try the really difficult play, but he would he would complete that play more often than not just because he was so skilled. And, I mean, he's only two years into the league, but he's done some pretty good things, albeit not with great overall results. Um, so, like, I'm not sure exactly how to project Tim Stutzla, but maybe you get a bit of the same thing with Lambert. I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, I I think it's something that either, like, for some players, it improves as they get older and against different competition, whatever. Um, for some players, uh, Nail Yakupov, for instance, it just doesn't. So I guess we'll see what happens. I, I really don't know. I usually like taking players with really high hockey sense rather than um rather than the guys with low hockey sense but like we've said Lambert's probably the most talented player in the draft so that's not really something that 
you really want to pass up on either at 30th. So, yeah, I guess I'm really not sure in the end, but, yeah. That's no question to answer, right? To me, I think, um, like, hockey sense is, is one of the harder, if not the hardest skill to, like, learn if you don't have it. Like, a lot of yeah. people that have it and are good players in, in other categories, like, they tend to do well at the next level. But I do think it is a l- little bit harder to, like, you know, teach those those kids that are really skilled but 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 kind of lacking in the hockey sense. I, I do think it's a bit of a challenge. Um, but I guess definitely not impossible, right? So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it ends up uh, working mm-hmm. for the Jets. Um, yeah, and I mean, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. But, no, go uh, ahead. Like, we don't know for sure it is a hockey sense thing for anyone listening. Like, it, it's not guaranteed a hockey sense thing. There, There's a lot of people that think that it's something that it's almost like he's trying to find the perfect play, and that's it's almost like an immaturity thing. Not that it, not not that he's immature or like acts immature, but just his game itself is kind of immature. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't know. My like, obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but his rights are owned in in Seattle in the WHL. They were a couple weeks ago. They were traded there. He could go to the Moose. I I personally would like to see him in Seattle. It gives mm-hmm. him a chance to really kind of flex his offensive talents on a really good team you play on the small ice he's been good on small ice when he comes and plays in tournaments and stuff so i i mean the more puck touches you get with players that play the same way as you i think it's going to be beneficial for him so if he's getting the puck a lot which he will in junior hockey i think you know the coaches there will be able to to focus on him a little bit more so they can they can kind of tell him what the best play is and I mean, he could do that with the moose too, but I mean, why, why send him to the moose when you can let him just tear apart the WHL? And and yeah, so before you guys, sorry, before you guys cut in, he is an older player in the draft too, so he can only play one year in junior. He would be, he could be an oh. overager next year in junior, but he will turn nineteen in December. So this would also be his last World Juniors when it comes to the December World Juniors. Oh, is that right? Okay. (laughs) Didn't know that. Um, I knew he was a little bit older for his draft class, but I didn't know that about uh, his World Junior eligibility and whatnot. Um, I was going to say something, and now I totally forgot what it was. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't want to. Maybe maybe I'll come back to you, Brian, but uh, on that topic, Dylan, like... uh, if you look at, and, and again, points obviously aren't everything when it comes to these players, but it is one of the only tools that we really have besides watching the games. You know, you, you look at him back when he played, not even in his age category, like he was uh, 16 years old in the U20 league in Finland, and he scored at almost a point per game pace in his D-2 year. You look at in his, uh, like when he comes back with his peers for the U18s, the Helenka the U20s, even as a 17-year-old, like, he was scoring at a pretty high level when he plays with his peers. And so, um, you know, just because he had a, a rough year, one rough year at 18 in the men's league, like, I think I agree. Just get him back in the in the dub, see how he does playing with junior players, and he should be able to hopefully light it up. I know uh, Seattle was a pretty damn good team in the dub this year. I think they made it to the to the finals, right? So... I would assume there's going to be some talent for him to play with and 
Uh, I think it could just be, you know, awesome to get his confidence back up, uh, you know, kind of playing with his peers. What, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, uh, now I remember what I was going to say. You put him in the AHL, I bet you they, uh, I bet you they bury him in the lineup a little bit to start. <laughs> like, that's just kind of the way the Jets organization runs. Um, but yeah, um, I totally agree with all of that. I think the dub might be a really good spot for him. Um, probably be one of the best, if not the best player on his team right away. So a real good opportunity to get his confidence up and kind of control the play there. So we'll see what happens. If he goes there, I'm guaranteed to watch a lot of Thunderbirds this year. They're coming to Winnipeg <laughs> in January. Oh, I was going to ask oh, yeah. that. Yeah, circle circle that on your calendar. Sell out the, uh, the ice cave for that. Yes, get your Winnipeg ice tickets now. <laughs> Well, best team uh, in junior hockey again next year. Right on. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, and I mean, yeah. People people oh. wrote off Atu Ratu last year too, and when right. he flipped to the second round to the Islanders, like he had an atrocious draft year. He wasn't even on the World Junior team, and then all of a sudden this year he just explodes for forty-one points in forty-two games or something in Liga. So the the talent doesn't just go away. Like, just because yeah. Lambert had one bad year. I mean, if he was draft eligible last year, he probably is a top five pick last year. So, like, yeah. a lot changes in one year, but you do have to have to look at it uh, and uh, kind of project into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I definitely. Mean, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. He's going he's gonna to work really hard. Like he, the moment the combine was over, he started working with Gary Roberts. So, I mean, like he's committed. Like, obviously, he's got the, the family roots and maybe to his detriment sometimes. But, um, like, uh, <laughs> like he's de- sorry, he's definitely a few years away. Um, and in his post-draft interview, I thought it was really good. He was talking about how players can be boom or bust and, like, what a ridiculous question to ask a kid that just gets drafted, whether or not he can get bust. Like, come on. Um, but, but, yeah, he basically said, like, and I agree with him, he said, like, any player can be a boomer or bust. It's not really where you get drafted. It's what you do afterwards. He said he's going to work his ass off to prove all the critics wrong. And I was I was like, wow, that's love to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, an sorry, impressive one more answer. Thing, one more thing. Um, about his point total in the league, uh, and I, I – I want to get Brian's opinion on this too. Um, his shooting percentage was horrendous. Like you have to look at that as well. His his five versus five expected points was actually higher than Joachim Kemmel. So, I mean, and even on even on Pelicans where he had less points, it was still higher than Joachim Kemmel at five v five. So this is a guy that even though he didn't put up the points, the the numbers suggest he should have put up more points than he did. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. I know, like, if you look on the Liga stats page, um, they list on ice shooting percentage, but it's actually, and, like, um, individual shooting percentage as well, but I think it's based on total shots on goal, so, like, I just want to verify that that's based on shots on goal rather than um, uh, total shot attempts. I'm just trying to see. Uh, Brad Lambert. Uh, 
Okay, yeah. Individual shooting percentage, 4.44%. I can't find anything on pick 224 for his on-ice shooting percentage. I don't think they would have those kind of stats. But yeah, it would seem that he had a really low shooting percentage and on-ice shooting percentage. So yeah, that's obviously um, never... Never one player, never one player's fault that their on ice shooting percentage is that low, and a lot of it is a variance thing. So yeah, there's that. Um, I also think the funny thing is, I think he had a higher points per game than uh, Yuri Slavkovsky, the first overall pick this year, <laughs> if I recall correctly, as well. So I found that kind of interesting. Um, I know a lot of his individual or his uh, on-ice shot metrics weren't very good either, but again, that can be a symptom of the team as well. So, yeah, the whole shooting percentage thing, it does affect points in a big way. So, I really don't want to overreact to points pretty much ever, even if shooting percentages are normal. Because, like, there's lots of factors that go into it besides just the player. Yeah, yeah you, you put the low shooting percentage in there, and, like, I don't want to say it becomes a foregone conclusion that it'll have a low point total, but it definitely contributes to it in a big way. Yeah, like, I, I think Joachim Kemmel was, like, shooting, like, 20% or, like, 25% at the beginning of the year. He's, like, leading league at scoring for, like, the first few months, and people were wondering if he was a first overall pick contender but it just goes to show you that yeah. if you ride a ride a high shooting percentage anything can happen right i was never that well i didn't watch i didn't watch Kamel early in the year but uh i wasn't high on him by the time the draft came around just because i did not like his shooting selection very much but obviously um obviously there's skill there so but yeah, we're not we're not here to talk about Yukim Kamel, so we can uh, I guess move on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I just uh, I guess before we move off Lambert, is there anything y'all uh, wanted to touch on, or you think we kind of covered the base pretty well there? Um, I don't really think I have anything else to add, but I just love the fact that Chevy swung big. I don't mm-hmm. know, like, how often have we seen Chevy take a player that's, like, a boomer bust player? I feel like a lot of time he's taking safe players, but... Like, later I, I really on in like the draft, it. you mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's pretty tough to take... It's, I mean, when you're picking 14, 17, whatever, it's you're pretty much going to take someone around the consensus, but at 30th overall, taking someone who... I'm sure teams had him even lower than 30th, judging by where he went, so pretty impressed that they were able to take a swing on a player like that. Well, and I think it helped too, like that the the Jets had the you know the two first round picks. Like, I mean, to me, it wouldn't make a difference if I think the guy's uh, worth a shot at a particular pick. I would take it rather I had two first round picks. The fact that they they got McGrady, a guy that they were obviously pretty high on, I think that kind of allows them to you know take a little bit more risk with the Lambert pick. And uh, yeah, I, I think I gotta you know give them give them credit. I I think it's a, a nice pick and. Obviously, uh, super excited to add him to our uh, prospect pool. Yeah, some problems with 
NHL teams is just they're way too risk averse. So mm-hmm. I definitely, I definitely like the big swing. I would have been fine, I guess, with the big swing even at fourteen. So yeah, let's roll right. with it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch his progression over the next year or two. Absolutely. All right. I mean, um, we oh, we get ahead. to see him, and we get to see him in a month too at the World Juniors, just dangling and skating oh, around. Oh yeah, people that's too, right. So that's gonna, gonna be, be so much fun. In the summer, World Juniors. <laughs> that's gonna be sick. And then I guess, um, like the the next summer too. So we'll get kind of two World Juniors in like a span of what five six months there, right? So that'll be fun. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Um, so I guess we'll move on to the. Uh, Third pick by the Jets in this draft at uh, 55 overall. The Jets take uh, defenseman Elias Salomonsen, uh, Swedish defenseman. He played with AIK in the SHL and program. Split time mostly in the U20 level. Um, point production was 22 points in 35 games in the U20 level and zero points in 10 SHL games, as well as one assist in five games at the u18s for sweden um yeah uh just kind of general overarching thoughts on on salmonson does anybody uh, really have any uh, hot takes on him or it was a it was a good pick i mean there were players available that i would have preferred gleb trikazov but i mean they uh i don't know they elite prospects have him at 88 bob adam at 53 so uh, kind of right around where you would think he was a guy that was ranked. I think people had him ranked in the top 20 to start the year. Yes, and yeah. he's also an August 31st, 31st mm-hmm. birthday. So he's among the youngest player in the, players in the class. So, I mean, you can almost look at him as if he was born three weeks later, uh, where does he go next year? So I, I, it's an interesting player, really good skater, closes gaps really well, among the better skaters in the class once again. Has big time concerns about hockey sense and decision making, a la Brad Lambert. So, it, it's another one of those guys where you're you're hoping that it's not a hockey sense thing, or that you can teach them hockey sense, as we talked about. But it seems like there's some untapped potential there. I mean, the numbers don't jump out at you, but uh, you take a swing on a good skater with good good skills, and I mean, hope and pray, I guess. And he's yeah. a right-handed defenseman. He's relatively big, so. Mm-hmm. Pretty solid in transition too, right? Or, or yeah, am I no, just making that up? No, he's, <laughs> he's good in transition. I mean, his skating and, and puck handling ability give him give him a lot of tools to to be good in transition. So, right, right, yeah. I haven't seen too much of him, but um, I've heard all the uh, I've heard all the he was he was fairly highly touted a year ago and. Um, kind of dropped this year due to, I don't know if, if it was lackluster point performance. I don't know what his point totals were a year ago. Even maybe just maybe. Do you have that there, yeah, yeah. Justin? Is I got him up like, here. Um, he is actually at the U twenty level in Sweden. He was over point per game in his D minus one. So okay. like they drastically fell, uh, in his draft year. So maybe that has something to do with it. All right. So. Yeah, and like again, I'm usually not too worried about 
uh, point total slipping. But if if a player's producing at that level uh, when they're 16, that's usually a pretty good sign that you know they've got the skill to be um, an NHL player down the road. So yeah, there's there's obviously upside there with the skill and with a second round pick. That's definitely not a pick you really mind making. Um, like Dylan said, there could have been some other guys that, you know, might have been more sure things in the NHL, like uh, Gleb Trikazov, for example. Um, I think there was another one that I... Vladimir Kredin. Oh, uh, Lane Hudson was another yeah. one who dropped, who I was kind of half hoping they might take a swing on. Um Obviously, a lot of upside, but the size would have been a concern there. Um, but yeah, um, overall, definitely don't mind the select yeah, the selection. And right D as opposed to left D is kind of something we're a little thin on in our prospect pool. Until, well, I guess we you could still argue we're thin there, but um, regardless, he. Uh, fills a bit of a position of need in that prospect pool for sure um and it's funny too i was uh hopping on uh franchise mode just a few days after they made the pick and um yeah in the draft class they had like salmonson as like a top 10 or 15 pick. i didn't even know who he was so good good on you jets if if he's highly rated in franchise mode he's gonna be sick in, <laughs> yeah, in real life that's too, the right? way no it works <laughs> <laughs> Sean yeah, sports Day, has the, never uh, been wrong with elite, their uh, ratings uh, before medium elite Sean Day from like <laughs> NHL 13 or whatever it was <laughs> hey he was an exceptional player that's right <laughs> so yeah um that was that was pretty funny to see that um yeah I don't know anything else y'all guys have on uh Salmonson I really don't have t- too much besides just uh a pretty solid pick but Nothing that really wows me. Yeah, he hit a guy from behind and was suspended at the under 18. So that was interesting. So I guess hey. you know if you're a big fan of physical hockey, I mean, there's your guy. <laughs> the Jets, some uh, a big portion of Jets fans will like that. He's <laughs> he's physical, so that's all they really want yeah. from their defenseman. I wonder if I wonder if the Jets even like did any scouting. They just like taking a bunch of guys that were ranked super high at the beginning of the year, and they're just like, "All right, done, done our scouting for the year, guys. Time to hit the uh, time to hit the cabin." Oh they shit! Had, they we had, well, no, Nazer, they had no. But... Uh... <laughs> we, we wanted Na- we wanted Nazer, but uh, our we'll just pick the next uh, USDP guy instead in lieu of because he's not there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Jets love going for those USDP guys for sure. Okay, I guess we'll move on to the next guy. Um, third round, 77th overall. The Jets took Danny Gilkin, I think is how you say it. Um, yeah. yeah, he played uh, for the Gulf Storm in the OHL. 55 points in 66 games in his draft year. Obviously, um... He's one of those OHL guys that, that missed out on an entire year of development in his D minus one year with obviously the restrictions for the for the pandemic. They had no season. So, you know, those guys are, are definitely a, a lot harder to project when you miss a critical year of your development. Um, but it 
looks like he still was a pretty solid player this year in the OHL. Um, yeah, what did you guys think of the pick? I guess uh, maybe you can start, Dylan. Yeah, so, I mean, pick him 77th overall when, when Bob had him 48 and Elite Prospects had him 51. So I'd say it's good value there. Of course, people are going to look at his name and go, is that guy Canadian? Like, his name's Danny Zokin. Just literally look at any article after they picked him, and you'll find out his entire life story, apparently. So, um, yeah, it's a guy I've, I've kind of liked ever since I, I heard about him a couple of years ago, actually. Um, his tracking data for Mitch Brown is, is actually really good, especially in transition and defense. So, it's a guy that profiles pretty good there. He's 6'1". So he's got decent size, his center. He's really skilled. Like the problem with him that I've seen uh, is there's a lot of issues uh, being inconsistent. So sometimes he'll show up and he'll dangle six guys and just look like the best player on the ice, and then he'll just be invisible. So, but I'd say that I'd say it's worth it because he's got the good defensive ability, and obviously he's super skilled. The points don't jump out at you, but I mean, there's only like I think two more players that have more points than him on his team, so it's uh, you know I, th- I think it's a good pick. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. All I've like I've heard that is like maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I heard somewhere that his team didn't really score a lot this year, so that could also affect his point totals. Yeah, um, I mean they. They, they scored like an like a just an average amount for the OHL. Like it wasn't like okay. a high scoring team. It's just kind of an average okay. team. But okay. I mean they were so pretty high flying to start the year. Like Sasha Pastorjov was like leading the OHL in scoring for like the first half, and then just completely cratered in the last half of the season. So mm. I mean that doesn't okay. help. Right. Yeah. I uh, I don't know much about him, but obviously the uh, the transition profile is is nice and then having a guy who could be pretty good defensively like dylan said that's definitely a good thing uh you think there could be upside potentially as a penalty killer then a guy who can skate and play defense yeah for sure i mean he's a guy like you never know like it's such a weird year where you miss an entire year of development like he didn't play anywhere else last year so I mean, yeah. you never know, like, any one of these guys could show up next season and just, like, have double the points they had this previous year. So, I don't yeah. know. You, you bank on the skill, and, and you hope that, uh, I don't know, you hope that he breaks out next year. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think anytime you can get a pretty well-rounded guy with, with some upside and some skill, uh, you know, in the third round, I think it's some pretty good value. And, yeah, as you said, they kind of, you know, found him at 77 when a lot of the different outlets had him at higher. So definitely, I don't have any concerns with the pick. I, I think I, uh, I I like the value at, at 77. And it'd be interesting to see, uh, track him and his development with golf as he uh, develops there. Mm-hmm. So anyone else have anything on Jilkin or you want to go on? I think we can probably move on to Garrett Brown. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to lie. For the last three guys, I really don't have much to say. Um, I don't know. Uh, do you, Brian, really have much to add? Or do we just want to get Dylan's quick fire thoughts on these three guys I've, and we'll shut up? I've seen Garrett Brown's micro stat profile. It looks cool. That's about it. <laughs> I've never, I don't think I've ever watched him play unless I watched him 
unknowingly at one point, which seems unlikely, but <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, what do you think of uh, Garrett Brown there, Dylan? Alright, keep this in mind that literally any picks after like, I don't know, round four or five, like the chances you're going to ever hear these guys name again are like <laughs> less than zero, so you'll probably hear me talk about <laughs> this guy for like two seconds and then literally never think of them again. Unless they, yeah. like, have Sammy Niku ability and they just, like, get buried in the AHL for half a year. <laughs> and then in the press box. But, um, yeah, so Garrett Brown, his, his dad played in the NHL. So, you know, you you look at that and you're like, mm, I don't know about that. Taking sons of uh, NHL players. He's got but, the bloodline, Dylan. Come on. Yeah. But, yeah, his dad played, like, a million years in the NHL. His dad's Curtis Brown. Um yeah, like Brian said, he's got super interesting tracking data. And, and based on what I've read, like, it's a guy that I know the point totals aren't very high. Like, he hit 16 points in 62 games. So you're probably thinking he's some kind of shutdown defenseman. But supposedly he did not get much time in the USHL. And he's actually all offense, if you can believe it. Uh, so apparently he's really skilled and cannot defend on the rush. Like, he just gets turnstiled all the time. But, you know. In the fourth round, if you take a guy that likes to create offense, show some deception, uh, and kind of didn't have a very big role, I, I mean, I think that's a good pick, and we'll see what he looks like in Denver next year, and hopefully he'll get some more ice time, and I don't know, hopefully he works on not getting turnstiled all the time. Yeah. But that was so funny when I read that in the reports. It's just like, all right, that sounds a lot like someone we have on the Jets, so Sounds like is a lot Garrett of defensemen we've is had Garrett over the Brown years. Six foot seven, though. <laughs> no, unfortunately, he's not. So his path to the NHL is gonna be pretty tough. Shit. <laughs> six foot two, though. I mean, you're only you're only five inches away. Maybe he has a late growth spurt in him. You never know. All right. <laughs> All right. Fabian Wagner, Dylan. I know you love the it. Absolute, the absolute Chad. <laughs> um, the, the guy everyone wants to talk about I know you've been listening for like 50 minutes for us to hear about Fabian Wagner um, yeah I don't know he's just a guy He, <laughs> I, I, when you do some reading on him it's like you know maybe he'll have like some standout skill where it's like you know he's got this unbelievable shot or like nope he's 6 foot tall average height for an NHL player average skills average to below average skating it's just like you know not a lot to uh to get excited about and the point totals are like okay they you know just below point a game j20 which isn't bad and then maybe you know his four points in five games in the holinka gretzky <clears throat> sorry the holinka gretzky cup is like what they picked him on i don't know just a guy that just <laughs> kind of like you'll probably never hear his name again so enjoy it yeah for sure i have absolutely zero to add on him I actually, before this podcast, I, if you asked me who the Jets picked in the, was it the fifth round or the sixth, the sixth round? round? yeah. Sixth, sixth round. If you asked me who they picked in the sixth round, I probably couldn't even have named them, to be honest with you. That's what Google's for. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Dominic uh, DeVincentis, I would assume is how you say that. You got any thoughts on him there, Dylan? Yeah. Uh, he's got two eyes before the, uh, before the S in his last name, so that's interesting. <laughs> um, he had an 872 save percentage in the playoffs on uh, like the second best team in the Eastern Conference in nice. the OHL. So that's interesting. But I think the question has to be asked: 
but did he make the timely saves in the playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> Judging that he only won two games, I'm going to go with no. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think it matters, though, how many games you win. It's, it's if you still make the timely saves. Yeah, uh, true. No, the video of him being drafted, or I don't know if it was a video, but apparently his family was just fired up. And <laughs> that was really a good story, cool yeah. In the seventh round, yeah. So, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. it's a seventh round pick. He probably will never be anything, but I don't know. Take a swing. I know some people on Twitter actually liked him. I saw a couple of videos from, from Josh Tesler of Smot Scouting. Um, he apparently liked what he saw, so at least somebody knew of him. Yeah. Um... Oh yeah, um, my thoughts are, I I don't care about his save percentage. I just care that he can make the saves. That's... <laughs> God always look that's, for that in goalies. Uh, that's that's all. Uh, that's all I got. Oh, save my percentage. No. Nope. Uh, the other thing is he's a goalie, and goalies are voodoo. So grab one in the seventh round. Who gives a shit? Maybe they become something. Maybe they don't. <laughs> there, I think goalie is the uh, the one position where what round they're picked in is, I guess, least really correlated to yeah. uh, their likelihood of making the NHL. So take a swing on a goalie in the seventh round. Why the hell not? Yeah, for sure. Um. All right, so uh, that is the 2022 draft class for the Jets. Spent a solid almost hour now speaking on them. So uh, thank you all for sticking around with us to this point. And before we uh, close off here, we definitely want to get uh, turn our attention to the to the prospect pool as a whole and talk about some of the guys, whether it be in junior or Europe or, or with the Moose, give a quick update on their seasons. Um is there anybody that you guys really wanted to talk about first? You want to start with Perfetti or Lucius or any guy that you really have jumping off at the page at you guys? I really liked the year Chibrikov had. Like Same. He was pretty darn good. And like there was times where he almost looked Ehlers like. Like I don't think he's gonna become Nikolai Ehlers, but damn, he had a really good year. Um, over a point a game in the VHL, which is very, I, I don't know if, like, that doesn't really happen for, uh, 18, 19 year olds in that league, really, um, to my knowledge. So, uh, great year for him. Um, and to me, he might even shoot up to the top three in my Jets prospect pool. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's too high, but. I I really liked the year he had, um, more so than any other Jets prospect, um, in terms of what I was expecting, anyway. Well, you didn't like the year from Harrison Blaisdell? The guy, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, we, we briefly talked about him uh, before we started recording, and I pulled up his Elite Prospects page, uh, Eight points in 25 games in the NCAA this year, and he's now 21. What what round did he go in? Um, fifth round. He's a fifth round yeah. pick. There you go. Fifth, so, yeah. as we said, <laughs> you, pro- you probably have never heard his name since he got drafted until yeah. this very moment, and you probably will never hear he existed. <laughs> but, yeah, about uh, Re, uh, Nikita Chibrikov there, uh, he was a guy that I really liked last year when, when they drafted him. 
I was uh, dove a little more deeper into the 2021 class and I had him kind of right around the tail end of the first round for that year. So I thought it was a pretty nice value pick at the time and obviously super excited to see him kind of not really break out, but just to have a, you know, a, a real good uh, developmental season there in his D plus one. The only thing is I, I would have liked to see him maybe get a little bit more time in the KHL. He only played the four games, but he's on a pretty stacked team at the SKA St. Petersburg. So, you know, he'd, uh, it, it'll, it'll be tough to, uh, to crack that lineup. I wonder if maybe he gets a loan move somewhere else or um, sticks with uh, sticks in the VHL. I would hope he would maybe get the KHL though pretty soon. I think he showed that he's probably maybe ready for that level. Just hopefully they would give him the ice time. That's the only thing mm-hmm. I'd be concerned about. Right. So often, often those guys get buried in terms of ice time. Yeah. And I still want him to play lots of games. And the VHL is still a pretty good league. Mm-hmm. I just wish they would come over to North America like yesterday. Yeah, What's no kidding. On, you know? No, for but, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, anybody that you got your eye on, Dylan, that you wanna you wanna talk about in the uh, Honestly, system I was right gonna, now? I was gonna mention Chibrikov as well, like oh yeah, sure. Season, but uh, I'll go to Dmitry Ryshevsky, I guess. Like I like overager, they took in the fifth round last year, and then you watch highlights of him, and you're like, man, this guy's actually got some skill. And then <laughs> he comes out of the gate, and he was like a point a game in the KHL over twenty games or something, and everyone was like. Like, who the heck is this guy? Like, and then, he, you know, he slowed down. But he still finished with 35 points in 48 games in the KHL as a, what, 21-year-old? Like, that's that's pretty impressive. So, mm-hmm. it's a guy, like, you know, maybe maybe he's a guy, if you can get him to come over in the next couple of years, like, he could be something as a fifth-round pick. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. My only concern with just looking at his point totals was I think he played most of the season with Vadim Shipachev, who's, Mm -hmm. I think, (laughs) widely regarded as the best player in the KHL right now. So um, I think a lot of that offense wasn't necessarily driven by Ryshevsky, but he also showed that he's, I think, can be pretty solid in transition, maybe not as dynamic as a guy like Chibrikov, but can definitely play a role. Yeah, I mean, and then when he went to the VHL in the playoffs, he was a point of game in the playoffs in the VHL, so... Oh, yeah. I, he, I don't think Shibachev was in the VHL, so at least he was able to produce a little right. bit of his own. Absolutely. But, yeah, no, that is a that is a valid concern, though. I mean, you, you I remember watching a lot of highlights of him during the season, and he's, like, backdoor tap-ins from Shibachev, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's uh, sustainable, unless uh, maybe Ehlers is feeding him the puck backdoor or something, but... <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny too looking at uh, his KHL team, Dynamo Moscow Elite Prospects page. He uh, was teammates with uh, former Jet legend uh, Eric O'Dell this season. Uh, kind of forgot that name existed. Maybe that's why he put up such a high point total. <laughs> Maybe bring back Eric O'Dell. Run yeah. it back with Eric O'Dell on the roster that's now. Back, that's exactly yeah. what we need. I think we should hire <laughs> Justin as the sign. GM. <laughs> Got to run it back. Come on, guys. Run it back. Uh, Any right, anybody... thoughts on Chaz Lucius? Yeah, Chaz Lucius is probably a guy we should give some attention to. Um, I guess he had the one year in Minnesota, and like 
His overall production wasn't like bad. It wasn't amazing. Um, but uh, sounds like he well he he signed the contract uh, he's with the Jets, so he's he's done with college hockey. Um, sounds like he's gonna go to the Dub, right? He's uh, Portland, Portland has his rights. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, I guess it's gonna depend probably for both him and Lambert. Which how awesome would that be? Two division rivals, two Jets oh, prospects yeah. in the same division, like play each <laughs> other a lot. But uh, I think it's gonna depend. Like I think we see, I think we see both those guys in preseason games, and then. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, assuming they sign Lambert, but I got. Wait, can you play preseason if you if you don't have a contract? Wait, no. Uh, I guess Lambert. No, it was Solomonson who signed. Why did I think yeah. it was Lambert? I feel like Lambert would probably sign the contract yeah. though, just to get into training camp and all. Yeah, like but... I feel like you could see both of those guys in training camp, and you never know. Like, I mean. There's there's a world that we live in where Brad Lambert goes like five has like five points in preseason and starts the year with the Jets. Is it gonna happen? Very 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 unlikely, but we do live in a world where that is possible. So mm-hmm. both of them could be in the AHL. Like you never know. But I mean, <clears throat> depending on what they do, I mean, unless they light the world on fire, I'd have them both in the WHL. I feel like the WHL would be a good thing for Lucius. Maybe to get a little bit of confidence in his game, um, and maybe to maybe to add a li- at least a little bit of a transition game. I don't think he's had much of that, especially in college. Um, so, and obviously, I think his defensive game has been a bit of a concern too. So, um, something else maybe to work on for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess uh, we want to talk about some of the Moose guys too. Obviously, um, really Perfetti mostly. Rocks. Oh, Cole Perfetti is uh, is a. He rocks. Um, he's got to make the Jets full time next year, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you I, never I know. Oh, I would yeah, hope so, man. <laughs> Second line Mason Appleton is not a world I want to live in. No. <laughs> yeah, he's. You pretty much got to put him in ink as a, as a Jet next year. Mm-hmm. After the training camp he had, and like he got those first two games at the Jets, I don't think they really gave him a fair shake. Like they did not. I thought he was really good in training camp last year and needed to be on that team full time. And then eventually, um, eventually he got the opportunity. I was just like, okay, well, now that he's playing with talent, it's obvious that he's an NHL guy. So, you know, it's for me, it's just been those little things with uh, with the Jets that's been really frustrating. Um, and I think, um, maybe to a lesser degree, but a similar thing with Billy Hainala this year. He's he's gotta be on the team, right? He just has to. <laughs> but you just you just never know, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know who brought it up, but I've seen the take um, on Twitter, and I think someone said it to me in person. But like, it didn't uh, Rick Bonus really like um, really like uh, like transition defenseman in Dallas? He needs transition defensemen for a system because he likes to stand up 
at the blue line and then focus on zone exits for defense. So, so I mean, hey, maybe there's hope. Yeah. <laughs> there's hope, but also Logan Stanley and Brendan Dillon are still on the team. <laughs> I have no idea how they haven't traded Dylan yet. That is absolutely wild to me. He should have been gone at the deadline last year, and this run summer back, we've baby. had a honestly had though, a hot run it back or not, run it back or not. Like, I don't think that putting Sandberg or Hainala in, in there for Dylan makes the Jets any worse next no, year. And then you get the and then you get the extra three milli cap space. It's just a no brainer. I mean. I even look at a guy like Chisholm and like that's right. a guy that's like he's knocking on the door too. Him, Galanke, like a few of those AHL guys are, are right there. Like that's probably I, only, to... I don't I didn't watch many Moose games last year and I don't know if either of you guys did, but like they I... didn't have a lot of forward talent. It was a team that was carried by defensemen. Mm-hmm. I watched quite a few Moose games last year and there were times when Declan Chisholm looked like the best player on the ice. Like he was he wasn't far behind Vili Hainala, if at all, at times. Um, in the playoffs last year, both were, or it was a short playoff series, but both were really good, and you might argue Chisholm made less mistakes defensively. Um, but yeah, uh, I really like Declan Chisholm as a prospect as well. I think he's quite underrated even amongst Jets fans so definitely a guy I'd be looking for to take the steps soon but on a crowded blue line it might be difficult for him because like I think the Jets would have um, both Hanel and Sandberg ahead of him on the depth chart well now you got now you got Kyle Capobianco as well so oh my god <laughs> God, if he plays games before any of those three, I I swear to God. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't mind the signing as an AHL guy, but there's no way in hell that he takes games away from my beloved Billy Hanela or any of those Sandberg or or Chisholm. But I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I agree with you guys on, on Chisholm. I think he's uh, he's a pretty underrated prospect, and uh, it'd be nice to, to kind of see him have a little bit of an easier path, but I, I don't know if it'll work out maybe in, in this organization, but I do think there's a legitimate potential NHL player there, and I, and I hope he, he gets that opportunity one way or another, right? Mm-hmm. You want to talk uh, Sandberg too quickly? or? Sure. I liked... He did better than I thought he was going to do in the NHL. Um, I also think he was pretty highly sheltered. And, like, I do think he's better than Stanley is. But a lot of what we saw reminds me a little bit of Logan Stanley the year before. Although I do think he did better than Stanley did um, in the sheltered role. I'm going to want to ha- I'm going to want to see him succeed in... A little bit more, a little bit more difficult role before I say, okay, this could be a second pair guy. Um, Cause like I remember some Jets fans after the uh, um, after the shortened season were like, okay, well, 
Logan Stanley really was so much better than everybody thought he was going to be. Maybe this is a second pair guy, and I cautioned people. I cautioned a lot of people on that, and I got a lot of pushback from some people. Um, Sandberg, similar thing, but I do think he's a significant amount better than Stanley is. So I, I do think there's that lower-end second pair upside. But I also caution on people who are like, wow, this guy looks like he could be a top-four stud. Um, but a solid player, I think, and one that did impress me towards the end of the year last year. Yeah, for sure. Um, hopefully, like, again, uh, that logjam on lefty, I don't know, like, you think you think bonus plays Stanley ahead of him? I have no clue. Maybe. <laughs> Don't worry. By by the time you record the next episode, there'll probably be three more left-handed defensemen signed. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna bring back Nathan Bolyu. Oh. Did he sign anywhere, or is he still in Pittsburgh, or I'm where the hell is he'll he? He'll sign in Florida at some point. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent, but run it back. I've been saying. <laughs> we uh, we need Nathan Bolyu in the lineup. That's just that's just known. Mm-hmm. I I'm the biggest Logan Stanley hater, and I thought playing Nathan Bolyu ahead of Logan Stanley was just the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Bolyu brings pretty much nothing. Um, all right, I, mean, I guess, dad, uh, is, dad oh. can beat up a uh, coach if he really wants, but <laughs> yeah, that's <Ooh>. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess, is there anybody else you guys want to touch, uh, touch on or are you just going to want to wrap things up now? Uh, I don't know. Maybe a brief thought on Morgan Barron. I, okay, I actually, yeah. I actually think like, I don't think he's going to be like a superstar or anything, but like to get a guy for cop that like could play NHL games next year and be like relatively decent. Like he's pretty good in the HL playoffs, I thought. So like it's yeah. not an insignificant prospect. Yeah, I mean he's a little older than your typical guy you'd call a prospect, but hasn't really gotten a chance in the NHL so far. And the little bit he played in Winnipeg he did look solid, so I um I have hopes for him as a uh, as a bottom six guy. I don't I don't know if he'll be anything more than that, but um, yeah, he looks like a guy who could be a solid depth guy, or even a very good depth guy potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's he honestly seems to me like just a guy like a, like an NHLer, right? But nothing nothing really special. Um, but yeah, I think when you get uh, uh, the first round pick for Cop, that's a that's a pretty good return, right? A bottom six forward and 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 Lambert, I think that. And and they got Salamons in there too, so like it's a pretty right. nice haul for Cop. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a that was a good job. Okay, um, I guess that'll just about uh, wrap things up from us here. Um, yeah, still going strong. An hour and fifteen minutes in, so thanks for. Him. And, uh, hopefully you I think enjoyed it's an hour our 15. takes. I don't think it's only it's a um, hundred fifteen minutes. I think it's an hour fifteen. Unless I'm <laughs> oh, wrong. Hour fifteen. Yeah, I, I I think it's an hour and fifteen. 
doesn't seem like we've been okay. going that long. Okay, but, right uh, on. But yeah, <laughs> thanks for for sticking around. Obviously, uh, you know, follow us on socials at Jetcentric. Uh, we should have a free agency recap, or I guess uh, a lack thereof, or maybe yeah, just talk about, <laughs> talk about the four depth guys that the, the Jets signed <laughs> and the inexplicable fourth line grinder they signed. It'll be more of like. <laughs> It'll be just be more of like us more drama. trying to figure out where what direction the Jets are going. Is pretty I much mean, all it's gonna be. Yeah, well, I don't <laughs> think there is a direction. So, uh, That's, well, I guess yeah. definitely uh, probably be talking uh, Pierre Luc Dubois and his future too. Let's, yeah. Uh, so yeah, list can't be on that episode. We might hear <laughs> tears. <laughs> no, we don't want that. It's best for everyone. She stays away. <laughs> but uh but yeah um so definitely uh you know uh keep it tight uh watch our socials and uh we'll definitely have uh that coming in the near future and obviously if a pld trade happens or really any other significant moves obviously um we would uh we would have that and other other otherwise i guess uh you know kind of just heading into the summer here and uh yeah we'll see what uh we'll see what the jets do they kind of uh done a whole lot of nothing since the draft so uh you know maybe they were just um waiting for us to record our thoughts on the draft you know make sure the news was light so we could get our episode up and and then they'll come with a big splash yeah but uh we're, yeah uh, it was, uh, we're, we're 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 uh clearing money for nazim kadri <laughs> what a wild rumor man. that is there's no way that's true though right <laughs> no it's not happening <laughs> But yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks. If you're picking up Nazem Kadri. Well, they're running it back anyways, Dylan. Come on. <laughs> but thanks so much uh, for uh, for listening, and 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 Brian and and, and Dylan uh, for for joining me today. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll catch you guys again. And uh, yeah, peace. Thanks, guys. See ya. I'm Kurt Gilback, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.